Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, estate planning attorney, investor, and pregnant mama-to-be, Pam Moss. All right, today's guest is Neil Williams. She is a life coach and host of the Unbusy Your Life podcast, and her specialty is coaching entrepreneur moms on productivity and business mindset. Welcome! Thank you, Pamela, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited you're here. And I'd love to kind of start with your background and how did you become a life coach? (laughs) Well, I was struggling as a working mom and I found, I don't even remember how exactly I found Brooke's podcast, but Brooke um, Castillo through the Life Coach School, who I'm certified through as a life coach, but I just also finished Master Coach certification. I found her podcast brand, brand new. And I just like, she literally changed my life in the podcast. And I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. I need to help other people do this too. Oh, I love that. And, um, I, um, kind of what I loved about how you talked about how you, it changed your life and you wanted to kind of share that with others. What are some of the ways that you, it changed your life? Yeah. So I think I was in that kind of like that typical corporate mom mold where I was working tons of hours and I had my son and I just felt like this could not be the way that I spend the next 18 years of my life. Like surely there's a better way to do this. (laughs) That doesn't mean that I'm not working and producing and doing work in the world, but in a more sustainable, balanced way. I just decided there had to be a better way to do that than working all of those hours. And that's kind of what I set out to do and working with Brooke and becoming certified. I figured out how to do that and really in managing myself and managing my mind in my time so that I was creating really at the same level. This is what I think people don't realize about high productivity. It's not about getting less done. It's really about getting as much done, but in an abbreviated amount of time. And so that's kind of the goal that I had set out for myself. So I ended up taking that 50 to 60 hour plus corporate work week and reducing that down to 30 hours per week. Wow. And that is a huge shift, like switching from those hours. And I loved what you described when you kind of gave your definition of productivity. And um, so kind of teeing off of that, for those who are listening who maybe have no idea what a life coach is, who've yeah. never worked with a life coach is, what is a life coach and how is it different than like working with a therapist or another type of coach? Yeah. So life coaching focuses on mindset, just like therapists and other things. The difference, the main difference that I see, and I have been in therapy before, so I have a little bit of background just from the experience um, of this is that life coaching really is very future focused. I think there's some therapy that is this way as well, but as coaches, we don't necessarily dive into the past to figure out what happened and how it's playing out now. We we look at the past to see what happened, but then we decide how you want to move forward in the world given the past that you had. Instead of trying to unravel the past and spend more time there, we really spend more time, I think, thinking about the future and how you want to be in the future 
And just because something happened in your past doesn't mean that your future is predetermined or predefined for you, that you actually own your future. It's your real estate to do with it what you want. Awesome. And one of the things that I'd like to kind of help help our listeners understand more is you really focus, it sounds like, on productivity and business mindset for moms Mm -hmm. specifically. And you kind of alluded to that a little bit on your story about what it was like kind of the before and now the after. And what are some of the tools that you or tips that you have for people are listening who they want to have, you know, more productivity and feel more peaceful, but they just feel kind of overwhelmed by the weight of it all? Yeah. So I think a couple of really important things. The number one thing that I tell people is to be really clear on their own decision about how many hours they want to work. So I think what a lot of us do as moms, I I don't know why this is so ingrained in us as women, as, as moms, but we are like socialized to believe that there's a magic number of hours per week that we're supposed to work to create a certain amount of money and to make our dreams happen. And what I see happening so often, and I did this too for years, is I outsourced that decision, meaning I let other people tell me what that number was. And that's how I ended up working all those extra hours. That was just the culture that I was immersed in. And I adopted that as truth. So the first thing that I would tell people is to just take back ownership of that decision. What is the number of hours that you want to be working? And just because you're in a job or you're in a business where those aren't matching up, it doesn't mean that that has to be your reality forever. Maybe it is right now, but there are so many things you can do to close that gap between what you are working and what you want to be working. And that's really where I help my clients is in closing that gap. And we do that with a lot of different things. Number one, we talk about how to schedule for high productivity. So there's actually a very specific way to schedule so that you're getting your work done and you're balancing all the other things in your life that you want. And the way that we do that is really being very intentional about your calendar and your schedule, looking at all the things that you want to get done and deciding on purpose when and how those are going to get done. And this is very different than the way that most people approach, like they'll have a to-do list, right? We get this like to-do list torture is almost what we do to ourselves, right? We have this to-do list and we start the day with it and maybe it grows throughout the day and then we feel like we're not accomplishing anything. And the way that I teach my clients to approach a to-do list is yes, do the list, but Don't just stop at making the list, process the list so that every single thing on it gets onto your calendar with a specific date and a specific amount of time to complete each of those tasks. That's really where you go from just making a list and seeing what it is you want to do to getting the things actually done, putting it onto your calendar. I love that. And I kind of wanted to back up to the first part of what you said, which was how, um, we tend to outsource how many hours um, we should work in a week. And so we're so conditioned to think we should be working a 40 hour work week, or if we're in, I'm in the legal field. So it's like 60 hours work week, whatever field you're in. And so really, you know, for those who are kind of like, I, my mind was blown when you just said that. I'm like, what, you mean I have a choice? I don't have to work. Um, And so can you unpack that a little bit more Um, is, you know, for people who are listening, who are initially thinking, wait, 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 Neil, I can't do that. I have a 
I have a corporate job like you did. How is that possible? What, like, what advice would you have to help them unpack it, to let them know it's possible, and also to let them kind of disconnect the two as far as, you know, their existing results right now versus what they want in the future? Yeah. I think the biggest shift that people have to start thinking about is, well, so number one, let's even think about where that 40-hour work week came from. I mean, that was created 100 years ago by Henry Ford. And at the time, it was revolutionary, right? It was like it changed people's lives by constraining the work week to 40 hours. But it was built for a different time in our society. And it was built for a different type of work. That's where we were producing widgets, right? We're looking at how many things we can produce. That is not the society that we live in anymore. And this is not... It, we're working moms, which is a very different application of a work week than what it was a hundred years ago. That looks very different. And so it's so fascinating to me that we've adopted this as still the cultural norm when it doesn't even align with the life that we're living right now or what we're producing in our work. Most of us are not producing widgets, right? We're producing other things. We are doing more creative type work where we're creating things that didn't exist in the world. And so I think the idea is to question what you've always just adopted as true. And is that true for you? And if it's not owning that decision for yourself, it's just the idea that you get to own that decision that nobody else makes that for you. Number one puts you back in your power position. And that's really like the start of all of it, right? Because if you're empowered, you'll figure out a way to create what it is that you want. But when you feel like you're out of control, that you don't have control over this situation, this number of hours you want to work per week, there's no reason to go after trying to make a change because you can't. So that's the first thing that I would say is just understand that you own that decision. Even if it feels like you are the square peg in the round hole. I can't even tell you how much I felt that going through this process. I was always the odd man out. I was always the one saying, no, we don't need to work this extra overtime. Here's how we can create at the same level, but not use extra hours to do it. I was always that person who was creating the friction, right? But I was okay with that because I believed in the ability for us as humans to work in a different way. Working moms, to be able to work in a different way that supported the work they want to do in the world, but also supports them as being moms and being present and engaged with their children and their families. So that's number one, just owning it. And then number two, I think the shift that we have to make, and this is really what I want all of us in the society to start thinking about is producing value and results versus widgets, right? So we don't need to think about number of hours if we're not producing widgets. If we think about results, if we're results focused, that takes the shift, the focus off of the number of hours. So you probably have been in a situation, you're in a law firm, you probably have people who are more productive and less productive. Some people can get things done faster and some people take more time, right? The difference is the human element, right? The different humans are the ones that are producing at different levels in those hours, it's not the number of hours that's important. It's who you are in those hours, how you show up and how focused you are. 
how intentional you are about what you're going to create in that hour. So I like to think about every hour has a job. What was this job's hour to create? Because when you create for the value, that's where money comes. Like that's the whole reason why someone employs you is not to sit at a desk for eight hours. They employ you and pay you money in exchange for the value you're creating for that organization. So the better you get at creating value in a shorter amount of time, that's where you get to have leverage over even going to your employer and saying, listen, I'd like to work less hours, which is exactly what I did. I said, listen, you can, I don't need to work this number of hours, but I'll produce at the same level. Like, I'm not asking you to pay me less to produce less. I'm going to produce at the same level for you. And that's really where you start to see leverage in how you can create at such amazing levels in such a short amount of time is shifting that focus. How did that go? How did that conversation go? <laughs> it, um, it took a while. I mean, I'm going to be honest, right? Because I'm in a firm, I would say, structured very much like a law firm. And in that old mindset of billable hours and number of hours and all of that very time focused, how many hours you're sitting at your desk versus how much value you can create. So I had to, I had to show, right. I had to prove that I could do this. And I, I mean, I had an employee come to me and say, ask me like legit, are you on drugs? Because you produce at a level that like is, seems in like not humanly possible. Like, I don't understand how you're doing this. Right. And it's because I was so intentional with my time. Like, if you think about the amount of time that we waste going into the office and getting the cup of coffee and sitting down and checking the email and all of that Really, when you break it down, there's a study that just came out that showed most people work about 10 hours out of their 40 hours in focused time actually getting work done. So that's a lot of fat to trim out. Yeah, that that is amazing. When yeah. you, um, I know like when I first heard Brooke Castillo um, say that she takes, I think it was two days off per week. It yeah. really was a shift for me. Um, to want to start trying to work my business towards the same. And is that something that you've kind of implemented in your own business? I love kind of sharing those, like, here's an example of what's possible. Yeah. Have you created that space in your schedule where you just have that freedom? Yeah. So my number one step was to reduce my corporate working time down to a level that gave me the space in my life to be able to build my business. Cause that's ultimately what I wanted to do. Right. So I did that and my, like my goal and my commitment to myself was to create this business, which is now a six figure business in 25 to 30 hours per week. I was not willing to spend more time than that. And I've done that in the last year I've created that. So it's completely possible, absolutely possible to do that. And I'm just one example of that. I think we have lots of examples at the life coach school of creating amazing six and seven figure businesses in like less than 30 hours per week. That's amazing. That is really, really great. And when you're working with clients and they are, they know they want that space, they know they want that that time, um, you know, and there's somewhat of that initial block that we just described of like, 
okay, you can actually do it. <laughs> That's the first part. Yeah. Um, and then what do you actually want to create? Which sounds like the second part of like, mm-hmm. how are you, how is this all going to mix in with your kind of day to day? And one of the things that, um, when I posted about you coming in the Facebook group that people seem to really struggle with is procrastination. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips when it comes to, you know, having this productive and peaceful life and then procrastination hits? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the obstacles to productivity, right? Which is one of the things that I definitely teach my clients about. And it's super common. The reason that we procrastinate, typically it's because there's something that we are avoiding, like some feeling we're avoiding in the procrastination. So for instance, maybe you have like a project that you've never done before or something you're just not sure that you know how to do. As long as you keep pushing that off, like every time you push it off, you get immediate relief, right? Versus the feeling of maybe dread or fear or worry that you're not going to do the thing right or well. So what happens is this is like, it's basically our escape button as humans, right? To feel better in the moment. Because you think about the relief that you get to feel when you give give yourself, get off the hook for having to do that thing immediately you're like, oh, right? Like you're like relaxed because, oh, I don't have to do that. I decided I'm not going to do that. The problem with it is, is procrastination is really one of the things that I think steals our dreams because usually the things that are going to move us closer towards our goals or our dreams or the things that we really want are the things that feel scary and hard. So as long as we keep pushing those things off, we don't get closer to our goals and to the things that we really want in our life. And so that's what I think is the real problem with procrastination. That's what it creates is stagnant, not moving forward, not making progress towards the things that we want. Absolutely. So um, what I heard you saying is, you know, procrastination is, we we do it because it's kind of that short-term release. Yes. And and it's that piece, um, but it really, it doesn't serve us. It really robs us. So what are some of the tips that you have for really overcoming that, for pushing through and and getting, getting kind of towards those goals that you really want? Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing um, as like when people go to have a drink or they go to have a snack or they go watch TV or they go retail therapy, right. To feel better in the moments. That's all the same thing as procrastination. So the way to overcome it, it it really is like a skill, right? You have to decide that I'm willing to feel this feeling of worry or dread or overwhelm or whatever it is and still do the thing that I told myself that I was going to do. And the reason why is because once I have done that, I know that I'm going to be so proud of myself or I know I'm going to get, there has to be some reward on the other side for having followed through, right? I'm going to feel so accomplished or I'm going to feel so um, excited that this thing is done and it's off my plate, right? So it's, and it's something, it's a process and it's really like you want to go after it like it is a process and you're not going to be perfect at it. <laughs> this is what I always teach my clients. They're like, well, I followed through three times out of 10 this week. And I'm like, great. So you're 30% of the way there, right? It's not going to necessarily be 10 times out of 10. The goal is to keep following through. The more that you overcome that primitive urge to procrastinate, 
the easier it will be. So at the beginning, it's a lot harder to basically you end up parenting your brain, right? To overcome this primitive urge to feel better in the moment by procrastinating and going through and doing the thing that was on your calendar that you told yourself you were going to do, letting yourself just feel the worry about that or feel the overwhelm about that. And, and you keep practicing the skill of overcoming that urge to procrastinate. And you do that enough times. And like, if you commit to that 50 times, to do that 50 times or hundred times, you're going to undo this habit that you've created for yourself of procrastinating. So that's like, that's one of the ways to do that is just to get really good at the skill of following through, even when you don't feel like doing it, doing it when you don't feel like doing it. Cause we use this reason as I don't feel like it. I'm not motivated. I'm not feeling inspired as justification for why we shouldn't do it. Right. It's a very sneaky way of our brains way of telling us that it's a good idea to not do this thing right now. So that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And not to pause you there for a minute, but I think just to kind of pull out some of the points that I really heard you say, um, so many times we procrastinate and we feel like we're powerless, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's something subconscious that we have no control over or like, it's just the way it is. It's the way I am. Like we identify with it. Oh, I've always been a procrastinator. Um, And then you have that like sudden rush at the end that you rely on. But then you waste so much time, right? Feeling guilty about it, punishing yourself about it. Um, And there really is a way to overcome it. And it sounds like kind of the first step is is really just that awareness Mm -hmm. that you were describing. And working with a coach like you can help you pull that out, right? Because it sounds so simple. Yeah. Um, And then what's kind of of the next thing that you were going to share? as far as that. Yeah. So yeah, I love the way that you framed that. Yes. Awareness is the first thing. And then just noticing that you want to do something else, but decide like committing, committing to following through on your plan, even when you don't feel like it, when you're not feeling the excitement and the energy and and the motivation to do it, doing it anyways. So that's one thing. The other thing that I see people doing is they, have things on their calendar that are so big and nebulous, their brain doesn't even know how to start processing them. So the way this looks is like, I have my clients come to me and I I have them show me their calendars. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very vulnerable thing to do. I hate that exercise, but I want to see kind of how they've decided to schedule things. And so I can see where it's not working, where it's breaking down. And what a common thing that I see is they'll say like on Tuesday from nine to 11, I'm going to work on this project. Well, the brain is like, what does that even mean to work on it? Right? Like that's such a very like nebulous way of approaching work instead of like breaking down the steps, I'm going to complete steps one, two, and three of this project, which is very concrete. Your brain can really handle small chunks of things. So the better that you get at micro-stepping projects down or big things down into very little pieces, your brain's like, oh yeah, I can do that step, right? Like I can go write the outline for this project or I can go research this and find the answer to this question. Like that's an easy thing, but completing this huge, big project that I've never done before feels really scary and overwhelming. So micro-stepping everything down into its very small steps, which people don't like to do this. They think this is a waste of time, but in the reality is this saves so much time in the long run because their brain can process the little things so much easier. And they're so much less likely 
to even engage in the procrastination because they feel more confident in tackling the little steps versus the big thing that had a big chunk of time on their calendar that they're not quite sure how to approach. I love that. And I feel like for me, even when I've kind of started to use some of the techniques that you've described, like there are certain tasks that I would have built up in my head. And then when I actually went through what you're describing, which seems so simple and wrote it down, I'm like, oh, this is really just a 30 minute task. Why have I rescheduled it 10 times on my calendar? But in my head, I had built it up as this like five hour, like mammoth task. I just didn't like it. (laughs) I didn't want to do it, but um, I love that. And I love really this concrete idea of making it short, kind of actionable items that you know you can have success on. So you're less likely to want to procrastinate. Is there other patterns or things that you've seen when you've been working with clients of, of kind of other examples of this? Yeah, I think it's a lot of um, tricky thoughts that come into our minds that feel very true and feel justifiable, that feel like makes sense, logical, right? Like your brain's supposed to be logical. So the things that it's telling you must be logical. They must be true. Like, I don't feel like it right now, so I shouldn't have to do it. It, I have plenty of time. So many people say this, right? Like I have plenty of this, t- a plenty of time. So I should just push it off till next week. Well, if you have plenty of time, why don't you just do it right now when you said you were going to do it, right? Or it's not that big of a deal. I'll get it done later. All of these things that are seem like very truthful thinking to your brain, you have to really watch out for those sneaky thoughts because those are the ones that end up tripping us up that just feel like they feel logical and they feel like the smart thing to do, right? So that's the other thing. And for everybody, it's a little bit different. Most people have like a certain thought, a certain belief that surfaces very often. And because it happens so like on such autopilot defaults, they don't recognize it as the thing that is their stumbling block that is fueling them to procrastinate. So that's the other thing that I would point out is that everything that we do or we don't do in this case, procrastinate is because of the way that we're thinking. And so finding those habitual thoughts that are fueling you to procrastinate is the ultimate solution to this problem. And you, it genuinely, genuinely takes someone else coaching you to pull those out because they're so ingrained in you that you can't even see them as thoughts. I love that because there is, you know, there is this disconnect where, you know, you want, you know, you don't want to keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Want to, and you're kind of trying to like force yourself with the action, right? Like you're trying to move yourself into that direction, but something keeps holding you back. And really it's talking to someone like you to really uncover that. What is this? What is really going on in my head that all the productivity books in the world won't help me with because I'm in my own way? (laughs) Right. Right. And this is the way, like when you find that thinking and then you're able to shift it, this is how you more organically just follow through on your plan where you're not like white knuckling to follow through. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a different energy. It's a different way of approaching it when the thinking is a thing that's driving you to follow through versus just you're trying to overcome your primitive brain and these thoughts. And you could do that. You could willpower your way through it, right? Like a lot of people do that. And the problem is it's often not sustainable long-term. Like we'll do it for a week or we'll do it for like two weeks, 
But we, if we don't change that pattern of thinking in the brain that is fueling the procrastination, it's typically not something that you'll stay with in the long term. In, um, I love that. And in your own life, I know we kind of started the conversation with, you know, the goal is to feel more peaceful, right? Or yeah. to have a peaceful life. Have you kind of noticed since you've put this into practice in yourself and with your clients, have you noticed that shift where it goes from being, I'm this overwhelmed, busy, because you say unbusy your life, yeah. <laughs> this overwhelmed, busy person. Have you seen that shift with you and your clients where I'm no longer a busy person, I'm a peaceful person or whatever it is for them? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because once you become highly productive, you get time freedom, which is really what most of us want, right? We want to not feel like tied to work. We want to feel like we have the time and the space for the rest of our life. And that ultimately want, and, and even if you schedule time off, here's what I see happening for most people. They'll schedule time off, but then they feel guilty and their brain is really still at work. Even though maybe physically they're with your family or kids or whatever, your brain is still in work and all of the undone things. So when you learn to be highly productive and you know exactly when everything is getting done because you've scheduled it in a highly productive way, you don't have to keep your brain in your work when you're in your non-work hours. And that alone, like having the space and the freedom to just enjoy your non-work hours is a completely different experience than having that work brain come with you and telling you all the things you should have gotten done and you should probably sneak away into the office for an hour while the kids are sleeping to get more things done, right? Or get up early before the kids are up or stay up. This is what a lot of my clients do. They stay up all night working or until one or two in the morning trying to catch up because they didn't get enough done. Like that is not a peaceful way to live. That is not like an enjoyable way to live in your non-work hours. So when you know exactly how to get all your work done and you leave your office, whenever it is, if it's Thursday night or Friday night, you're done for the week and everything that you scheduled is accomplished, you could just like free to live the way that you want. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. And before we sign off, I just wanted to have you share with us kind of what is the best way for people to get in touch with you and how can people work with you? Yeah. So right now I am enrolling in my group program. It's called the Productive and Peaceful Life. And the whole idea behind this program is to shrink that gap between what you are working right now, which I would just say, like, if you have an idea what you're working, probably add 10 hours to that. And that's a little bit closer to what (laughs) you're actually working, especially if you're someone who's in your phone right before you go to bed or you take your phone to the bathroom with you to answer emails or whatever, you know, all that extra time that we spend working. The gap between that and what you actually want to be working, the whole idea of this program is that we shrink that gap down and we align those two. So if anybody's interested in that program, we are enrolling right now. And you can just go to my website, www.neilwilliams.com. And you can sign up for a call where you can apply to be enrolled into the program. I love that. And also you have your podcast that people can check out. And I'll include that in the show notes, the Unbusy Your Life podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much, Neil. Thank you, Pamela. This was so fun. 
Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, www.findpam.com for all the show notes and links. And you will also get access to my free legal tool to name legal guardians. It's all right there at findpam.com.